Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Mark. The Gospel record of Mark and chapter number 10. The Gospel record of Mark and chapter number 10. We are so thankful for what God has been doing. And as we've been walking through with Jesus Christ through the gospel record of Mark, we've now watched as Jesus has been working with the disciples quite a bit. And now as we hit chapter 10, there's a fast forward in time that as the gospel record of Mark uh, continues on, we have now left the area of Capernaum where Jesus Christ has spent a lot of his earthly ministry. And now he's beginning the descent to get closer to Jerusalem. And now we find it in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number 10, as Jesus Christ once again is confronted with the Pharisees attempting to try to trick him. But we can see that Jesus Christ takes this opportunity to teach us a very important truth. So notice with me, if you wouldn't mind, in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number 10. The gospel record of Mark chapter 10. Notice with me starting at verse 1. The gospel record of Mark chapter 10 and verse 1, the Bible says this. And he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the further side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again. And as he want, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote, uh, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. And so they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whoso shall put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committed adultery." And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number 10. The gospel record of Mark chapter 10, and notice with me in verse number 8, the last phrase, one flesh. One flesh. And with this, we're going to hit a teaching that Jesus Christ taught about because of the Pharisees trying to set up a trap for him. This idea and this principle of one flesh. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you that you're a loving God who loves us so much. 
You love us supremely and you care for us. And I'm thankful for that example. I'm thankful for the word of God that we could base things off of and depend on your word being true and faithful. Again, we just ask for your help. We ask for clarity. We ask for understanding that we could discern exactly what is being taught here for our own edification and application. Again, fill me with your spirit so it's not me. It's you that's doing everything. And I thank you that we could trust you with that. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned before, Jesus Christ has left the Capernaum area and he has now entered into the coast of Judea. And as he entered into the coast of Judea, a big crowd was waiting for him. And they began to want him to teach. And so he took time to teach. But in the midst of this, the Pharisees also were waiting for him. And they had come up with a new master plan. Now remember, from time to time, they keep asking Jesus questions. And the purpose of their questions is to trip him up, to, to try to do something to alleviate, to destroy his ministry. And so once again, we could see this idea and the teaching that comes from it. The very first thing I'd like to show you from this passage is man's view of divorce man's view of divorce. And as you could tell, this is going to be probably a passionate subject dealing with Jesus Christ, but we want to deal with it biblically. Notice what we see here starting at verse 1. And he, that's Jesus, arose thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the further side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again. And as he want... He taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. Now the Pharisees came and notice that word tempting him. This carries the idea that they were putting him the test. And they brought up a highly controversial issue of their day, which was divorce. Now he was, they were not asking Jesus, What do you think of divorce? Because divorce was already mentioned in the Bible. He's not asking, should a man get divorced? But instead, they're asking things based off of their philosophy. That they had two schools of thought in the Jewish mind at that time. They had one that espoused a narrow view of divorce. That they said, according to the Bible, that a man can only get divorced in cases of immorality. So that's the only time a family could be broken up. That if there was infidelity, if there was immorality on the side, then that gave a clear case for a husband and wife to be able to separate. But there was another view of Jewish divorcement. And this came from the commentaries on the commentaries on the commentaries that they had so much wrote on this issue that another school of thought developed that a man... On a wife could get divorced over no reason at all. You say, what do we mean no reason? There was actually a, a tenet with their ideas and their guidelines and their commentaries that if a woman brought a burnt meal in front of him, he could say, that's enough. I've had enough. We're getting divorced. And so basically any reason whatsoever they could come up. And so what they had was two views. It wasn't, can a man get divorced? It was under, what circumstances can a person get divorced? And they had the one, the narrow view, the conservative view that said a man can only get divorced, a couple can only get divorced if there was a um, thing of immorality. Then you had the liberal view that said any reason whatsoever, and there was a list of all kinds of 
awful reasons, nonsensical reasons for them to get divorced. And so this was a highly controversial thing during this time that people had taken sides that people had taken points of view, that they had all come to the idea. You had the conservative view and the liberal view. And they asked Jesus this question with this in mind, that Jesus was going to take a side. And if he took a side, that what would happen is the other side would always mark him and never listen to him again because he took a side. Almost sounds like today. If you come today and you espouse a certain point of view or support a certain person or a certain cause, the other side has nothing to do with you whatsoever. And if you're over here and you put, say, I support this cause or I put this thing, then what happens is that everyone else on the other side would be against you. Well, divorce, this concept of divorce was such a divisive issue at this time that they set up a trap. And they were expecting Jesus to pick either or. And as soon as they did, they would get rid of half of his fan base, half of his followers, because the other half said, I'll never follow a guy who believes that. I can never believe or follow a guy who holds that view. I can never hold a guy who supports that thought. And so they said, we have him now. He has to pick a side. We're asking him a question. He can't dodge the issue. What is he going to choose? And they thought that he had him. No one would ever do that today, would they? So here they're trying to get him with, and by the way, this is a passionate subject. This is a subject that many people have many heartfelt beliefs, many things that are driven deep. And whenever passions are involved, Everything else falls by the window. It's only you believe like me or else. And so they said, we have them now. We have them now. Let's let them answer this. And we're going to watch people get mad at him. Revolt. They'll join in our side. And we'll get him. So we start off with man's view of divorce. This idea, this commentary that divorce is allowed for this reason or it's allowed for all reasons. What say you? So we start off with man's point of view, man's view of divorce. But that's not hap- that happens not to be God's view of divorce. Notice if you don't mind the second thing, God's view of divorce. Now Jesus did things proper. He always did. He went to the Bible. So notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number three. He, that's Jesus, answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? So he said, What does the Bible say? Okay, well, it happened to be that the Pharisees knew their Bible, at least this passage here. And so they answered him, verse number four. And they said, Moses suffered or allowed to write a bill of divorcement to put her away. So they said, well, Moses said we could get a divorce. Moses said this was allowed. Moses said that we could. And Jesus went on and said, verse number five, And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. Notice this. Heaven's view of divorcement is this. The reason why people get divorced... It's not because of their political view. 
It's not because of their stand. It's not because of where they fall. Divorce happens for this reason alone. Hardness of hearts. Hardness of hearts. Why do people get divorced now? Hardness of hearts. There's something that went wrong somewhere. And someone's heart is not right. Someone's heart is at the place where they won't work it out. You know, whenever I do counseling concerning marriage, one of the first things I'll do is talk to them, talk to them, open the Bible and say, this is what the Bible has to say about marriage. And as long as we say we want to follow the Bible, and as long as we say that God's will is not to dissolve this thing, will you be willing to work on this? And you be willing to work on this. There's hope. But as soon as someone says, I don't care, I'm not working on this anymore. That's where the trouble comes. Divorce comes from the hardness of hearts. Well, that's not what they were looking for. But Jesus said, you guys are looking at reasons why you could get divorced. Let's actually look at the reason why you got a divorce. It's because of hardness of hearts. Something went wrong somewhere. Something happened to their heart. Something happened. And it's not what God intended. What did God intend? Notice with me in verse 6. But. Notice that word but. He says in verse number 5. The hardness of your hearts. This is the reason why he wrote this. But. The word but is a conjunction that means the opposite. And to study the word but. All throughout the Bible is an amazing study. That you see this is how people think. But, and it turns it around. He says, let's see how God sees this in the first place. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh, so that they are no more twain, but one flesh flesh. Jesus said, all right, let's look at things how God sees it. How did God see it? God's intention was one man, one woman together forever. That was God's plan. This is how God designed it. And if we follow God, God can help. Now, by the way, it's not easy. What happens when one becomes flesh, uh, one flesh? You take two people and you help them to become one. And there's always going to be friction. There's always going to, it's never going to be easy. Remember, we're made up of three parts. We're made up of spirit, soul, and body. And for us to become one flesh, you need to become one in spirit, one in soul, and one in body. All three of those areas need to be taken care of. All three of them need to be placed together. Whenever we start working with marriage... Whenever we think of it as just two people, we're thinking of it wrong. Marriage consists of three people. A man, a woman, and God. And as two people, a man and a woman, get closer with God, by default, they start to get closer with each other. That's how God intended it. That's how we become one flesh. It's how we become one, is that both people put their eyes on the Lord. Now, what happens if one person is trying to keep their eyes on the Lord and the other one does not? They still get further away. 
they're not becoming one flesh because they're not going to the same place. This is why the Bible warns us that we're not to be unequally yoked. What is a yoke? A yoke is something that you harness animals to for the idea of plowing. Let's say that we took a horse and a cow and we put them together. And you say, let's plow a straight line. Will you get a straight line? No, you won't. Because they're different sizes. They're going to be different gates. There's going to be different speeds. And what's going to happen is that they're going to fight against each other the entire time. Well, let's say that we have the same animal, but they don't work together. They're not going to the same place. One animal wants to go this way. One animal wants to go this way. Well, once again, they're unequally yoked. They're not going to the same direction. What this carries the idea that even if just because two people are Christian doesn't mean they're both going the same direction. One could be getting closer with the Lord and one could be further away. And what's going to happen is that that yoke is going to fight against them and there's going to be friction and they're going to be unequally yoked. What God's intention is that both people are walking together with the Lord at the same time, getting closer with him, that God is the goal. And as God is the goal, they naturally become closer. They're not working on becoming closer. They're working on getting closer to God. But as they both get closer to God, they will be closer to each other. This is what God intended. This is what God designed marriage to be. This was what his thing was. Why did it not work for people? Because they no longer were looking at God. The hardness of the heart wasn't towards their spouse. It was towards the Lord. Two people who are trying to follow the Lord will be right with each other because you cannot be right with God if you are not right with your spouse. And so here Jesus is teaching here what went wrong. What went wrong is there was hardness of heart and it was towards God. There was something wrong with your walk with God that caused you to have friction with your spouse. That was the problem. That's the issue. The issue isn't what reason can I get divorced. The issue is are you looking at God? Are you trying to get closer with Him? The issue is your relationship with Him. That is the problem. That is the issue. And by the way, any husband and wife that want to do right, they can work through anything if they both have the same goal. They can work through it. And they can get help. By the way, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. And people should ask for help if they need it. It's better than watching it all fall apart because of pride and hardness of heart. Everyone could do better. Everyone could learn things. But this was the idea here, that God had designed it to be one flesh. Now, the Bible goes on in verse 9, What therefore God had joined asunder, let no ma not man put, us, uh, put asunder. So, if God intended to a husband and wife to become one flesh, and it is a process... What happens when you get divorced is it rips it apart. And there is no pulling asunder without that ripping and damage and destruction. There's always going to be destruction. There's always going to be pain. There's no such thing as an amicable divorce. There's always wounds. There's always tears. There's always damage. There's always something that is done. Because these two things, God is trying to put them together. And if they're pulled apart, there's going to be damage. Now, <laughs> we understand that because of the hardest hearts, there's divorce. We live in a country where divorce is rampant. 
over 50%, well over that now, over 50% of marriages end in divorce. Someone callously said that the number one reason for divorce is marriage. (laughs) And they're saying that because people look at marriage so lightly today. It's no longer sacred. It's at the place where people said, well, we'll try this for a while. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, we'll just quit it. There's no permanency. There's no sanctity to it. And people have a bad view of it. Because of that, it, we have things ripped up. Now, it would be one thing to say that's in the secular world. But the statistics don't change for those who claim to be Christians. Still well over half of people claiming to be Christians have a divorced home. So what we're saying is that we live in a culture that this is rampant. There's not a single one of us who are not affected by divorce some way. I know me personally, my mother has been divorced twice. And each of those live pain and scars and tissues and hurt feelings. And what happens is that it doesn't take much to open that wound once again. There's always a thing. Why? Because there's a tearing. When God tried to put it together and then it's ripped apart, there's going to be damage. You say, preacher, this isn't very encouraging stuff yet. Well, we're trying to explain what the Bible says, but I'm going to get to an encouraging thing here in just a moment. But we have to start off by explaining here that these people set up a trap. The Pharisees set up a trap, but they're looking at man's view of divorce. Jesus takes the high road and says, no, let's look at God's view of divorce and let's see what God says about this. But there's one more piece that is brought here and that's heaven's view of remarriage. Heaven's view of remarriage. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 10. And in the house, his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whoso shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband or get divorced and marry another, she committeth adultery. Now the disciples pulled Jesus aside after that and said, we have a follow-up question. If someone who's divorced wanted to get remarried to someone else, how does God see this? And Jesus said, all right, you asked, how does God see it? God sees it as adultery. Because God intended one woman and one man to live together, and it got torn apart. And to take that torn piece and put it with something else, that's not what God intended. Now, the gospel record of Matthew continues with this and goes back to a man point of view and tries to explain something. But right now, what we're doing is sticking with the gospel record of Mark and explaining God's principle here that he's putting across here. Now, I don't believe in what is called perpetual adultery, meaning that once someone gets remarried, they're in continual sin. I believe that once they've been remarried, that God's desire is to try to make that marriage move forward and start from where they are and keep going. But before that, God didn't want that to happen. Again, we're trying to explain things from heaven's view. Now, again, in our culture, this is kind of uncomfortable because we deal with it all the time. It's, it's everywhere. We just need to take what Bible says about this. We need to see what this has. We know that we're losing homes. We know that Homes are in danger today. We know that in order to have a strong church, we have to have strong homes. Things that have to be done at home. Our homework must be done. 
And by the way, let me encourage you, it can. I've had the privilege uh, through years of ministry to remarry um, <coughs> divorced couples that were married before, but they got divorced, to remarry them again five different times, five different couples. It can happen. I'm saying that there's hope. But let's take this principle and why is this a big deal towards God? Why is this a big deal? Well, let's look at things from God's point of view. Remember that the whole purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. And that whenever we take a passage like this, we need to find out how does this show us about God? What does this show about the character of God? Well, God has designed marriage to be a picture of Christ and the church. Jesus and the believer. And when a believer comes to Jesus Christ as his personal savior, he comes and asks God for forgiveness of sins. God promises and gives them the forgiveness. He now becomes part of what we call the bride. And no matter what happens now, that once you've been forgiven, God will never disown you. He'll never divorce you. He'll never set you aside. He will always love you no matter what? Now that doesn't give us permission, but what we're seeing is God's love towards us. That he'll never get to the place where he says, I'm done with you. You're done. I'm cutting you loose. Aren't you glad for that? Because of God's great love to us. That's a great encouragement. That's a great blessing to us that God loves us that much. He loves us supremely. And that's where I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with the encouragement. I don't want to leave you with the statistics of marriages and divorce. I don't want to leave you with the, the, the bad taste in our mouth because of what the divorce is. I want to remind you of God's great love towards you. That even though you may fail him. Even though you messed up. If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your personal savior for forgiveness of sins. He'll never disown you. He'll never cast you away. Because that is his great love. And that's the type of pattern that we're supposed to follow is his great love. You know, when we have people that make a vow towards God, and it is a vow towards God about the other person, that I will love you and cherish you in riches and poor. We like the riches part, but we don't think about the poor part. But that's where the people are fighting. We don't have the money. We have the same, and that's where the friction comes in. We like the idea for in good health and bad health. Well, the good health, that's easy. But when people are having the bad health and things are going wrong and things are awful in their life, that there's no, um, <clears throat> that, that we made a vow no matter what the circumstances are. You may have someone that says, well, the things aren't turning the way that I want. I'm just not in love with them. The problem with that is that they have the wrong definition of love. What is love? It is not a feeling. It's a commitment. I commit myself to take care of you in sickness and in health. I made a commitment to take care of you in good riches and poor. I made a commitment that no matter what, I made a commitment to love you, to take care of you. Whether I had the good feelings or not, the feelings are great, but I made a commitment. 
And that's what God did to us. He made a commitment to us that if he would come, we would come to him, he would forgive us of our sins. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know that God cannot love you anymore? He loves you so much, he just cannot love you anymore. And he refuses to love you any less. His commitment does not waver. You see, all of this is to be a reminder of God and his character. He loves you no matter what. I'm so thankful for that. Because I've done plenty of things that I don't even love me anymore. But he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never divorce me. He'll never cast me out. Because of his great love. That's where I want to leave you tonight. Is I want to leave you that encouragement. That God will never forsake you. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for the reminder of your great love. I'm thankful that we could move past man's view of things and just look at your view of things. That principle is more applicable today than ever before. Let's look at things from God's perspective. Let's put God's character here. Let us be reminded of how much God loves us and your commitment to us. I'm so thankful that we could take that to the bank. Lord, as we come up to you today, I know there's not much of a decision unless there is someone in here that is contemplating divorce. Unless someone's in a place where they're in a rough spot. I want to encourage them that there is help and there is hope. And that you keep looking towards the Lord. You keep trusting in Him. And that God can work. Let's look towards Him. It's helpful to know why things are happening. It's because of hardness of hearts. But as for us, let us take that reminder of God's great love. Let us get the encouragement we need from it. To remember that God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never fall out of love with you, but he'll stay committed to you all times. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.